It is finished. Jesus' last words on the cross. When we think about Good Friday, sometimes we can come to this day like it's a funeral. And I don't want you to do that. Not that it's completely wrong. And the, the message that Charlie quoted by Shadrach Meshach Lockridge, S.M. Lockridge, he's the man that also uh, famously wrote, That's My King, gets it right. Because Jesus' death on the cross is a terrible thing. We can observe it, we can look at it, and we can say, this is a heartbreaking thing that has happened. But Jesus' death on the cross is also something else. It is a wonderful, victorious, life-giving thing, which He has accomplished. If you remember a couple weeks ago, I shared an illustration that I got from Brian Chapel, the pastor in the Midwest. And it was where he grew up, there was a river. You remember the two boys that went out to play? And they were supposed to not go on the banks of this river. And so the, they found them, they did a search party later in the evening, and they found the younger brother unconscious, just his head and shoulders above the, the sand and the grit on the shore of this river. And whenever they were digging him out, he came to, and they said, where's your brother? And he said, I'm standing on his shoulders. And if you remember that, it's something that sort of grips you. It's this thought of what a terrible cost this brother had to pay. And there's something of that in the cross. As we look at the cross, this, uh, this awful agony that Jesus endured, the physical was, the physical was unbelievably awful. As, as bad as, as you can imagine. He was mocked, he was ridiculed, he was spit upon, and it was all prophesied that it would happen that way. But the heaviest was through the words that he spoke when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The words that begin Psalm 22. It's an awful thing that he endured, and we should look at it and see this was a terrible day. This was a day of darkness. This was a day that is heartbreaking because the innocent Jesus died and he suffered. There were women there that were weeping. The disciples were scattered in fear. So here's the question. Should we hang our heads this Good Friday? Should we be doleful? Should we be melancholy on Good Friday? And my answer is no. Because we're on the other side of what they didn't know when they were weeping. When the disciples were scattered in fear, we know that Sunday came. We know that the tomb was left empty and that he rose victorious. Charles Spurgeon said this about uh, Good Friday. He said that the memorial of Christ's death is a festival, not a funeral. And he was referring also to when we observe the Lord's Supper so should we hang our heads? No. Jesus had something to accomplish. Jesus said, it, it's recorded in the Scriptures in Luke 12, verse 50, that he had to undergo a baptism, and how great was his sorrow until it was finished, until it was accomplished. And he's using the same word that he uses here, where he says, it is finished. This was not something Jesus enjoyed doing. This was something of agony. What was he doing? What was finished? To put it in one phrase, it was the work of atonement. 
what he accomplished on that cross and what was finally finished was the payment for sins. God was angry. The Father poured out his wrath on Jesus. And when Jesus said, it is finished, that means that all of that was accomplished. All of it was completed. Jesus was being punished for sins, but he never sinned. It, w- it was not his own sins that he was paying for. When he says, it is finished, this word means that he was accomplishing something, that he had finally gotten to the end of a mission, and it was completed. I've, I've watched many races, and if you watch marathons, and if you go to the finish line of marathons, all of the work and all of the struggle that goes into those, it was, I don't remember, four years ago we were in Boston for the Boston Marathon. It was a rainy and cold marathon. Many runners dropped out. And those that finished, most of them were in a lot of pain. And there was an agony about getting across that finish line. But they accomplished the marathon in some of the harshest conditions that the Boston Marathon has ever seen. It was finished for them when they crossed the finish line. That is something of what Jesus is saying here. He accomplished something. Now this was something that the prophets foresaw. They foresaw that Jesus, the Christ, would and must suffer. We see this in different parts of Scripture. I would point you to Psalm 22, where John especially picks up on several things from that psalm, where his, not a bone was broken, and he says, I thirst, and they were mocking him. These are all in Psalm 22. It was, it was orchestrated this way. God knew it would happen, and he, for, he let the prophets foresee this so they could speak about what the Messiah would do and how he would suffer. Isaiah, Isaiah saw these things. He saw Jesus' day, and he saw that he would suffer for others. This is the way Isaiah puts it. He says, He was stricken for the transgression of my people. But nobody understood that. Isaiah saw it before it happened. This was God's plan. In Genesis 3-5, we see at the very beginning, God intended to do this very thing. He promised that one would come from the woman, the Messiah, who would crush the head of the serpent. The one who brought in through sin, in temptation, got Adam to sin. The devil gained something in this world. And God said that you will bruise his heel and he will bruise your head or he will crush your head. God's plan from all the way back there was that this cross would happen. And so God ordered all of these things. God planned it to be this way. So God's work, God's plan for the redemption of his people was now finished. What he's saying is it's done now, it's accomplished. I think that this is what Abraham would have been referring to when Jesus says in John 8, Abraham saw my day and he longed for it. All of those that believed in God, that were, that were God's people and redeemed before the cross, were believing in a Savior that was to come. And now he has come. God planned it exactly this way. Well, what's the big deal for us? What's the big accomplishment? Well, here's, here's the thing. God is holy, and He has shown us what He expects of people made in His image. His holy law sets a standard. And when we come before that, 
what we find is God's wrath is against us because God's wrath is against our sin. And sin must be punished. And who will pay it? The answer is, except for this accomplishment of Jesus and trusting in this, it must be you. You must pay for that sin if there's no Good Friday, if there's no cross of Christ. And there's an accounting of every sin that will, that will never go away. Everything that we've ever done, everything we've ever thought or said is recorded. All of us have within us what deserves God's hatred, His wrath, His, His punishment. And so if you come to grips with this, with the reality that all of us have sinned, and you realize that there will be a day when we will stand before Him, it's a terrifying thought. It forces you to think, how will I stand? How will I come before this holy God? Who can pay for this sin? And the answer, until this, until this was accomplished, is it must be you. But God made a way for this one person to make provision, to make a substitute for you. What is called a vicarious suffering. Jesus took our place when He was on that cross. We say it all the time, don't we? Do you understand what He did was for you and for your sin? And that by dying on that cross, it was so that you will not receive God's wrath. So that when you face Him, all that you have sinned, all of the ways in which you have broken His law, it will be declared on that day, if you are in Christ, that that is finished. You know that the word um, in Greek for it is finished is just one word, tetelestai. It means something that is paid in full. It would be used in accounting whenever someone owed a debt and was paying it bit by bit. And when the debt was finally and fully paid and canceled, this one word was written at the bottom, and it was officially done away with. Tetelestai. It is gone. You are no longer in debt. That's what Jesus says to us. This cross accomplished it. Now here is what we need to do. Here is how we should respond. The Apostle Paul says to the Galatians, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what does he mean by that? Well, there's a question. In what will you trust for that day when you will stand before God in His holy judgment? In what will you trust for the forgiveness of your sins, for the salvation of your soul? Where can you rely? You must not trust in your own goodness. You must have nothing of that in yourself. You have to, even if it, even if it swims around in you, as someone that does trust in the cross, get rid of all the rest that you think is of you to offer to Him for your righteousness on that day. Jesus said when He was telling a parable, the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee who went in to pray. You know the parable, but this is the way He introduces it. It says, to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. You see, we need to understand that what that Pharisee was doing when he said, I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, was condemning himself 
we need to understand that that must not be in us. We must not come before God and say, when I weigh myself against other people, I'm better. Because it doesn't matter. The cross reveals to us that we need a Savior that will die and experience God's wrath for us. And so He did. Jesus on the cross made atonement for sinners. Are you a sinner? Do you need His righteousness? Do you need His accomplished work on that cross? What was finished? What was finished was what Jesus had to do so that we could have confidence to stand on that day before God in judgment. What was finished was everything He had to do to go there as our representative. He had to be born in our likeness. He had to take our nature to Himself. He had to live a life of of perfect obedience so that He could go there as a spotless lamb. He had to be the fulfillment of every type that was in Scripture. The the atonements that were made by the priests. The perfection of of the purification of the high priests. He had to be the the lamb that was slain. He had to be all the things that the Scriptures were always foreshadowing with all of these things. And so He was. He accomplished it. He had to be the scapegoat upon which all of the sins were placed. He had to go and He had to be sacrificed. And so He was. He went there with our sin to be sacrificed. And He said what? It is finished. So here's the question. Should we be melancholy about this? It's a heavy thing, isn't it? It's a heavy reality to think about your sins, but I want you to consider His words. He said, it is finished. Should we act like we're in a funeral with our heads hung low? My answer is no. I'm with Spurgeon on this one. He did this. Look, whenever they do the Passover meal, they would have bitter herbs because of the bitterness of their bondage. But what we are told to do in the Lord's Supper, which is sort of a continuation, but it's for the new covenant, we have wine and we have bread. There's nothing bitter anymore for us in this covenant in which we stand. We should not be melancholy. On this side of the resurrection, we have a clear perspective. We can celebrate this. I mean, your sins are gone because He said it who is above all, it is finished. What did He finish? He made an end of all your sin. And what He displayed on that cross was the very character of His own heart, that He upholds justice, that that holiness will never be compromised with Him, with God. And He upheld love. Uh, Augustine put it this way, the cross was a pulpit in which Christ preached His love to the world. He showed you, this is how much I love you. You deserve justice and I will take it for you so you can be reconciled to me. Let me ask you this. What sin weighs on you? What guilt from your life haunts you? I want you to listen to Jesus' words because this is what He says to His followers, to those who trust in Him. Listen to Jesus' dying words about your sin, about the sin that comes into your mind. It is finished. 
It's done. Tetelestai. Paid in full. Gone. You can't be required to pay for that anymore. It is finished. Let me ask you this. Are you hoping to live up to God and His standards? Are you hoping to establish your own righteousness, to please God? Remember this, your righteous work will never be enough. This work that He accomplished when He said it is finished is for those who cannot ever do enough. Hear His words from the cross. You don't have to strive to please God. It is finished. Your your righteous deeds are like filthy rags. Same with mine. (laughs) They They mean nothing for establishing your righteousness before God. But you have righteousness before God all because of Him, because of His words. What did He say? It is finished. And let me tell you this and remind you of this. There are people all around us who don't know these things. There are people that need to know. All kinds of people need to hear that all who come to Him are given life freely. All who thirst, it says in in Revelation 22, let them come and drink freely to have life. Why? Because He did it all. Not because He can give you a clean start and then you can continue in a way that's acceptable because it won't be. You'll mess it up. And that's the message we have for everybody. Why? What message do we have for everyone? The message is what Jesus said on the cross. For all who come to Him, and everyone who comes to Him will be accepted by Him. He says, for all, it is finished. Let's pray together.